We'll catch up on the latest in Louisville's restaurant scene. Seems like everything is happening on Frankfurt Avenue these days. That's next on the Access Louisville podcast. Stay tuned. Oh, I nailed it that time. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us. My name is David Mann, and joining me today is Shay Van Hoy. Hey, everybody. Haley Cawthon. Hi there. And Marty Finley. How's it going? Access Louisville is a weekly podcast from Louisville Business First. Each week, we bring you the latest news and plenty of sharp opinions on what's going on in Louisville, Kentucky. Haley, uh, well, first, we'll start at uh, Phantom Kitchen, which is replacing uh, Bougie Biscuit on Frankfurt Avenue. Is that right? Yeah, that's a pretty new development. Um, I reached out to the owner of uh, Phantom Cafe. Um, His name is Nicholas Bean. And he's been a chef in the Louisville area for a long time, but this is kind of uh, his first um, breakout into a brick and mortar restaurant space of his own. Um, Bougie Biscuit has suspended um, service at their um, Frankfurt Avenue location and uh, Chef Bean is uh, taking it over. Phantom Cafe is open uh, Wednesday through Sunday and they have all day brunch on Saturday and Sunday, which I think is really exciting. Yeah, Yeah, I think a lot of people will like that. Uh, and then also on Frankfurt Avenue, there is a new uh, gelato shop um, opening up, right? It's it's something that was previously in Norton Commons, and this is going to be a new location, right? Yeah, this is going to be a second location for Gelato Gilberto. I'm going to pronounce that wrong. I'm sorry. Their last name is Gilbert, um, but Gilberto and Gelato together, some for some reason, throw me a off a little twister. bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, they're a longstanding Norton Commons business. Um, they opened there in 2007. Um, so they've been there for quite a long time. Um, and the couple that owns it actually used to live behind the Irish Rover on Frankfurt Avenue. And so they spent many a nights, um, you know, as a young couple walking up and down the street, daydreaming of like where they might open up a gelato shop in the future. In like mm-hmm. 25 years, this is actually happening um, for them. So they're really excited. Um, but it's expected to open, um, by the 1st of July, if not sooner. Um, so they're, uh, really looking forward to bringing like their artisanal handcrafted, um, authentic gelato, um, over to Frankfurt Avenue. Yeah. It sounds like they had a pretty good process for developing. Uh, I think, uh, one of them, uh, that you interviewed talked about how, uh, they, they do a lot of the ingredients themselves, like zesting lemons and ro- uh, toasting marshmallows and that sort of thing uh, for ingredients for this gelato. So that sounds pretty interesting. Uh, and then before they open their brick and mortar location, I guess they, they've got an Airstream trailer, right? Yeah, they recently acquired an Airstream catering trailer um, that they're hoping to set up in the parking lot of that location um, starting in mid-May. Um, so just a couple of weeks because they want to get open and like let the Frankfurt Avenue um, community or, you know, residents um, give them a try before their brick and mortar location actually opens. So um, look for that happening in actually a couple of weeks. Um, And then once they do get the brick and mortar location open, they're actually going to have a gelato garden, which I've heard of a beer garden, haven't heard of a gelato garden, but I'm super, I'm super into it. Yeah. I'm super into it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't picture what that space looks like, but uh, a gelato garden sounds like a lot of fun. Um, and, and then not on Frankfurt Avenue, but Frankfurt Avenue adjacent, uh, the, uh, the, nor- the former owner of North End Cafe, 
Uh, Christopher Seckman has something new. What's he working on? Yeah, there's a new restaurant that just opened on um, Brownsboro Road, and it's called Trifecta. And no, it doesn't have anything to do with horse racing. <laughs> like I thought it might be a nod to, you know, the Trifecta mm-hmm. bet. Um, but the Trifecta gets its name from the three core menu items they're offering. So they're doing salads, pizzas, and uh, burritos, which I think is a unique combo. Um, and they've got it set up in like three different sections within the restaurant. Yeah, I'm worried about this because uh, I, I want to see it succeed, of course, but uh, three different specialties. Uh, I'm, I'm worried that, that that's going to be hard to pull off. So, Shay, what do you think? Can somebody pull off a three specialty uh, kind of restaurant? Well, it sounds like something that, you know, uh, like the trend has been going to these places like where you go in um, like Subway or Qdoba and you, you know, I want this, 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 and this. And it seems like it would translate well to those. Like those are three things that uh, where chains exist or, or local places, you know, like uh, Green District with salad or any of the burrito chains. And then mm-hmm. like the, a couple of the pizza chain pizza places that do that where you just pick your toppings. And so it seems like if they have all, like a lot of those have similar vegetables or meats or something in it, and you could just throw them on whatever delivery method you want. And <laughs> um, That's true. it seems, seems like you, like you could, um, like the um, it, it seems to make sense business wise, at least yeah. uh, for, for, you know, to not waste kind of these things. Burritos and salads, I would say are very close uh, cousins, especially if you uh, throw some rice in there. Uh, but uh, I don't know about pizza that of course pizza goes with everything. It seems like everyone's <laughs> got pizza. Uh, so Yeah. Uh, to, to add to Shay's point, um, I think it's a direction that the, um, industry might be moving in based on uh, Jagger's Texas Roadhouse's new concept that like literally set out to become a combo Chick-fil-A and Five Guys, um, you know, to have a really good burger, have really good chicken tenders and really mm-hmm. good salads. Um, so I think um, we're going to see more people like leaning towards um, having distinctive um, menu offerings like that. Yeah. Could bring back the, uh, the, you know, KFC Taco Bells like that were in favor 20 years ago and then like now you barely see them or my hometown yeah. had an A&W KFC which was That's, a seldom seen. I think I've seen a Long John Silver's A&W before. I think yeah. my hometown had a Long John Silver's A&W but I can't remember it was like a combo of one of those two. So. Yeah. I, I can remember the combination Pizza Hut and Taco Bell. Like <laughs> there, there was a whole song about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is. I forgot about that. <laughs> also, oddly, I ordered a pizza from Postmates last night with like a Supreme and I got it and it was just when it got here, it was just cheese. Like I got no <laughs> toppings. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> Which I like cheese pizza, and I was hungry, so I ate it, and I got like some of my my money back in this bizarre um, algorithm that Postmates uses to figure out how much money you get back when they screw up your order. In this case, it was like nine dollars and seventy one cents, but I was like, you did. well, I ordered all the toppings and got none of the toppings. <laughs> you bring up a good point because I got a screwed up order from uh, from not Postmates but uh, DoorDash one time, and. Um, I didn't know exactly how to even deal with it because I tried to call the restaurant and they just didn't answer. Um, and so I just figured that they were like, screw this guy. So I just, uh, I just kind of just ate what they brought me <laughs> and, and I ended up paying too much for it, but I was just like, whatever, I'm hungry. So. Like these delivery services are the new uh, mom saying, 
you'll eat what I make and you'll like <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> Maybe uh, that would be a saying where like to st- well, we could launch a new delivery service where you pick like one of three restaurants, like that's what you put into the app and then you just get whatever the driver wants to bring you for like 30 bucks. That could be something. <laughs> Actually, I heard about a service and I wish I could remember what it was called. Um, it's, it, uh, it, you basically do that and they, they look for restaurants that have too much inventory on something and want to get rid of it, uh, in order to prevent food waste. And, uh, and then you pay like a flat fee and they bring you whatever that is. And it's a surprise. <laughs> I can't remember what it's called. It's not a local thing. It's a national thing. I don't even know if it's operating in mobile, but there, there was, a um, to go totally off the rails, there was a old skit on the Tom Green show, which I've talked about many times where he, um, <laughs> He put a bunch of pizza toppings. Uh, he bought like a cheese pizza and put a bunch of pizza toppings in a tackle box. And he would just, he followed a pizza delivery guy to someone's house. who was actually a pizza delivery guy. And he was calling himself undercutters. And he told the people that he would sell them his pizza for like half the cost and throw the toppings on out of the, and someone ended up chasing him with a hammer. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, that was a wacky show. I didn't, I didn't get into it too much. I saw a little bit, but, uh. Wasn't for me. <laughs> then I just want a tackle box full of pizza toppings at this point. Yeah, that actually does sound good. That would solve a lot of problems, I think. Uh, speaking of problems, Haley, uh, all these restaurants opening. And I think that the topic of the, the last couple of weeks has been staffing, and that's affecting all kinds of industries. Uh, restaurants got it as bad as anyone, right? So uh, what's uh, what's going on with staffing at restaurants? Yeah, some restaurants are getting to the point where, um, you know, it's really hard for them to operate because they're so busy and uh, they're running at maybe half staff um, Mm -hmm. and they're needing to hire, you know, five, six, ten more people to their team uh, just to keep up with demand. So so some of them have been like limiting hours. Um, Some of them have been limiting days. Uh, Even one closed completely. Um, Portage House over in Jeffersonville closed. um, Right until the staffing situation was sorted. Um, but it's something that like, it's affecting almost every restaurant, um, you know, from QSR to QSR, I mean, quick service restaurants up to, you know, fine dining. I mean, I talked with the general manager of Jack Fry's leading up to Derby and she's like, we're short, um, several people. And normally we enjoy like a big pool of applicants because, you know, Jack Fry's is kind of a, storied restaurant that people want to work and people work for. well i'm sure you yeah know, at jack Fry's, people, so. so from what i'm hearing you know the people that are working in restaurants right now are making you know money hand over fist making really good tips um but they just can't get enough workers in the door um whether that's you know a wage issue an unemployment issue um they're just having a hard time um getting people and it's the same for big brands i mean texas roadhouse's new ceo just said you know labor is the biggest challenge we're facing right now like our sales are um amazing and you know um the company is doing really well but we need more people um just like everyone else and um i reported yesterday that kfc is looking to hire twenty thousand yeah. new permanent new permanent employees and um i think that's just going to be a big challenge um for for all um restaurants moving forward yeah a lot of yeah. different industries um i think it's maybe a confluence of the extra unemployment payments uh the there's still fear of uh coronavirus so i think uh, you know if i i'm just guessing if i'm uh you know a 20 something worker i can say you know maybe i don't make a lot of money 
on an un, un, unemployment, but I make enough and I don't put my health at risk. And, you know, it's, you know, I can sit at home and, and not be out there in the workforce. Now, some things are changing because, uh, there's a new Marty probably is familiar with this, but, uh, I guess some unemployment law since the pandemic started, uh, the rule has been that you don't have to go out and seek uh, new employment each week. And that's changing starting at the beginning of, uh, of next month. Well, actually, I think it's the beginning of next week. Uh, is that right, Marty? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure the exact dates, but yeah, you're right. The uh, Kentucky is making that a requirement again. Were you, you the one that wrote about point. this? Or, or? Um, I may have mentioned it in a story, okay. <laughs> but uh, I didn't know a full story on it. But yeah, yeah. they are going to make you, uh, you know, seek work again, like in a normal environment. With unemployment. Yeah. You have to well, that. hopefully that helps ease the, uh, or maybe it was Shay that wrote about it. You wrote about it with the Chamber of Commerce story, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah, and actually I was going to mention that um, not only that story, but I, I had a, a, a virtual meeting with Ashley Watts this week, who's the president of the Kentucky Chamber of Commerce. And she was echoing a bunch of what Haley said, you know, people re- operate like that's all they're hearing. It's just staffing, 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 and mm-hmm. people, restaurants operating, you know, two days a week. I, I live near shenanigans and they're basically open Friday and Saturday right now. Um, and they're busy when they're open. But um, I think she also said, you know, she'd heard that Wendy's was offering, if you come in and just fill out an application, they'll give you a meal. Hmm. Um, or some people are paying for applications. I had not heard that. That was yeah. So she she was kind of sharing anecdotes from across the state, but um, the Kentucky Chamber. This is it's been up for a couple of months, but they're really starting to promote it now because of this um, seeking work component to getting unemployment. Um, they, they've now launched a who's hiring um, portion of their website, which you can find if you go to our website and find the story. Um, so people can look and find active like there's multiple thousand active listings on this chamber website, or if you're a business, you can post your opening there, um, you know, you know, to that site. Um, but yeah, she was just, you know, talking about, it's just, a, that's, that's the, what they're hearing yeah. from all of their members. Yeah. It seems to be badly affecting the restaurant industry. It's affecting Kentucky kingdom, which we'll talk about a little later. It's affecting staffing agencies, which uh, Sarah just wrote a story about, uh, here just that we just posted right before hopping on this podcast. So it's like affecting a lot of different industries. And I really do think, uh, you know, hopefully that rule change that where people have to go out and seek work, uh, that, that will get things moving. I know that as I've been going out to restaurants more, I've been trying to be very generous with my tips because I'm sure the people that are working and showing up are, you know, they're probably, you know, insanely busy and, and, and pretty stressed out. So, um, you know, I think uh, it's good for them that they're coming out and, and trying to uh, trying to work a job when they could, you know, just be like a lot of other people and sit home and collect unemployment. Yeah. Well, Actually, and go ahead. Oh, sorry, I was going to say one thing to add to that um, that we haven't really referenced is that there has been somewhat of an exodus from the restaurant and service industry in particular. Um, because, you know, so many people lost their jobs as a result of the start of the pandemic and restaurants shutting down that they went into other industries that had um, likely better pay, um, more regular hours, um, additional health benefits that they may not have previously had access to. And a lot of them aren't leaving. They're like, no, I like this now. You know, I can spend my weekends with my family Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, do things that I couldn't do with a restaurant schedule. So I think that's... um, additionally hurting the restaurant industry that maybe other industries aren't necessarily facing. Yeah. 
I didn't work in restaurants much uh, growing up. I, I did when I was a, like a 16 year old, I've washed dishes, but I know it can be hard dealing with customers and that sort of thing. So I, I you know, I, I, I could totally uh, get behind that. Like working at an Amazon fulfillment center uh, is probably, you don't have to deal with the public anyway. <laughs> so yeah. Ash, another time, Ashley also said that I know that the caveat that so many people in Kentucky have had problem getting problems, getting their unemployment insurance money. Um, I know some people have, not, have still not gotten any, they, you know, have trouble getting help. Um, but she, she said compared to, to neighboring States that Kentucky's unemployment um, pay is a little bit higher. And mm-hmm. so that has also affected the workforce uh, issue here um, where, you know, you might be making a little more than you are in Tennessee yeah. um, for, for, you know, not uh, for not working. Um you know, as part of that, but I know that, you know, sometimes it's just thinking that pays the answer, uh, which, but then, you know, there's, there's obviously a related cost that comes with that for the consumer and the company. So, yeah. See, you thought you were in for a fun, breezy discussion about restaurants and it turned into a heavy discussion about staffing and societal issues. Uh, <laughs> so that's just what we bring to the table here. Uh, Marty, another company that I mentioned was having some staffing problems uh, is uh, Kentucky Kingdom. You just got re- done re- writing about them. They've got uh, new owners and they're looking to make some long-term changes as well as some short-term changes. Uh, so uh, what's on the table here? Yeah, so uh, back in February, Hershend uh, Enterprises, based out of Georgia, they own Dollywood, uh, the Newport Aquarium in Northern Kentucky, and some other properties. Uh, they became the majority owner and operator of Kentucky Kingdom and Hurricane Bay. So they're gearing up to open May 8th. Uh, they'll be just a few days from now, they'll be opening for weekends only. And then by the end of May, they'll be open daily, and Hurricane Bay will be open at the end of the month. So I talked to their new general manager, Craig Ross, about a number of issues. Um, both are long range. They're working on a strategic plan that's going to have, you know, a mix of uh, working with their design studio, uh, but also getting consumer research in the market and then also in community input and state input from the state since that's state owned property where uh, Kentucky Kingdom sits. So, um, you know, they're working on that kind of concurrently while they're working to get the, uh, the first season going. They told me that they invested about six figures, wouldn't give me the exact number. And then, you know, basically installing new technology and new infrastructure. They're installing a lot of new food equipment because they're yep. going to be adding some new food drink options uh, that they didn't have before. Uh, so, yeah, they're, um, you know, we just, uh, it was kind of an update for us uh, since it's been a few months since we talked to them last. And, uh, but they said they're really, uh, really excited about the market and where they think they can go with, um, with Kentucky Kingdom. One thing they've said they want to do. Uh, is make the season longer. So, you know, they want to be open uh, more more months out of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also want to bring more like uh, experiential type programming, some more festivals and events, um, not just rides and new attractions. And so uh, that's something they're known for in some of their other markets. So um, we don't know what that's going to look like yet because they're still working on that strategic plan. But, you know, they are bringing in a new uh, 5D movie experience this year. They're relaunching the Sea Lion Show that they had at the amphitheater years ago. Um, that's going to start in the summer. And like I said, a bunch of new uh, food and drink options this year, including yeah. funnel cake covered in fruity pebbles. So. Oh, that sounds interesting. I wish it was funnel cakes uh, covered in Skittles. That would be better. But uh... apparently they do this in other, some of their other parks. So they're going to try it out here and see how it goes. So, uh yeah that's uh, that does sound uh sounds interesting now has anyone been to dollywood lately 
I know I've been lately. I went several times as a kid. My parents were obsessed with Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg when I was a kid in the eighties and nineties. So, um, but yeah, it's been years for me, but I, yeah. I enjoyed it as a child. I don't know how I feel about it as an adult, but me neither. Uh, I used to go as a kid too, but it's been a long time since I went. Uh, yeah, you, I used to like roller coasters, but not so much. <laughs> I, I've never been to Dollywood. I grew up very close to Holiday World, and so I spent every weekend of my childhood um, at Splash and Safari <laughs> 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 um, in the summertime. Yeah, uh, I, I we also went to Holiday World a lot more because it was like. For some reason, we didn't like Kentucky Kingdom like growing up like we, something happened like an accident or something in the 80s. And and like that was like poison uh, for everyone around me. No one would go to Kentucky Kingdom. We always went to Holiday World. <laughs> so um, and they had free sodas. You can't beat that. Um, and back in the uh, in the 80s, I think people medicated with soda. <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh, but, uh, let's see here. Uh, I guess Haley, Marty, um, is there anything that would get you into, uh, Kentucky kingdom? I mean, Marty, I know you have kids. Uh, is it an attraction that, that you, uh, find, uh, that, that you might take the family or, or is there some, some more things you would like to see there? Uh, for me, I'm more of a local zoo guy. My kids yeah. love the zoo. Uh, so we go there a lot. Um, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm open to going to Kentucky Kingdom. I'm more of a water park gal than a, an amusement park. I like water parks. and uh, But I, for whatever reason, um, I tend to go to smaller ones than, you know, Hurricane Bay. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I do like water parks. Um, and, you know, I like, you know, the, I've been to Kentucky Kingdom several times. It's been a while. I went I went some as a kid, even though it was, uh, it was kind of this excursion for a while because we lived several hours away from Louisville. But. Uh, I did go some as a kid um, when it was open, you know, in the early nineties and um, in, in the late eighties. But, um, you know, for me, um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a big roller coaster guy either. So yeah. I'm kind of interested to see what kind of like this programming, you know, what kind of that stuff they'll be offering. And, you know, there might be some interest there with uh, my wife and kids, you know, having a kind of a family outing for some of that. So kind of just curious to see what they come up with, with some of the more experiential stuff they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Haley, I know you uh, you've been to Disney several times, but uh, any yeah. interest in uh, in amusement parks? Is this kind of your man? Thing? I nothing is keeping me from Kentucky Kingdom. I haven't been yet, but that doesn't mean I don't want to go. Um, I am a total amusement park junkie. I love roller coasters. I love all the spinny rides and um, you know just running around for a day until you're like all jacked up on sugar, like the funnel cake thing, free sodas. <laughs> just going crazy um but but yeah nothing's really keeping me from kentucky kingdom i just haven't had a had a chance to go yet since we moved to the louisville area and there was a pandemic for you know 14 months out of that (laughs) out of that time um but yeah looking forward to checking it out and um you know just checking out the rides and uh my husband's not a big water park guy but i like to drag him along places and uh i think we'll have a good time yeah yeah, Shay, you're a season pass holder. Uh, what what's something you would want to see out there? Yeah, I've uh, I will. There's a couple things that like I I think that's re- I really like about it. One, it's like if you buy the season pass, like if you're going to go just buy and you live locally, just buy the season pass because if you go twice then you've paid for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like fifty or sixty bucks, um, like one of the best values in town. So, um, and we go a lot. Um, but primarily to Hurricane Bay. And then two, something that's really interesting about Kentucky Kingdom is um, you'd be hard pressed to find a more diverse place at any given weekend in Louisville. 
Um, people from all parts of the city, all races, all ages are there, um, which is, you know, cool to see. Um, what The thing that I've been lobbying for, and I filled out my season pass holder survey this year uh, for the new owners is, um, so there's only one entrance into, uh, and this could be for security reasons or whatever. Um, we don't mess around with Kentucky Kingdom at all. It's fine, but I don't like roller coasters and such. And um but you have to go through the whole park to get back to Hurricane Bay, especially like the part that's less has less kids and more adults at the very back. So I'm lobbying for a second entrance that you go right into the water park, um, which, you know, they'd have to staff and all that stuff. But um, uh, that and then things like I, I like that Marty talked about them mentioning some extended season and extended hours, um, even though. They're saying that, but like, I think Hurricane Bay is closing at the same time or an hour earlier this summer. And um, it closes at six and they kind of start shepherding you out of there by like 530. And I mean, I don't know, there's daylight until 930 uh, yeah. in Louisville in the middle of summer. So those are a couple of things. But, um, you know, they've added some really awesome things. It's a clean park. There's the, the craft beer lodge I go to a lot there. Um, and if you go back to that very back part, I hope I'm not giving away secrets. It's like, you're, you're pretty far away from people. I mean, it's a good place to like, not be, you're, you can stay 50 feet away from people all day if you want, other than like entering the park. So, mm. um, but yeah, it's, I think it's like a hidden gem in Louisville, um, yeah. especially for, with that season pass, because, um, it's, uh, and you, and parking as of a couple of years ago started to be free. So you can go. Yeah, I was just really gonna ask you about money. that. Uh, so I guess you park at the you park at the fairgrounds, and then it's just free if you got the season pass. Or yeah, it's like you show it when you go in the gate, and then um, you park kind of up, you know the lot between Freedom Hall and Broadbent Arena, and then the park you know, and then the actual park entrance. Um, the only time is like during the fair, it gets weird. I think we had to like you might have to pay to park during the we just avoid it during the fair, basically. Everything in town gets weird during the fair. <laughs> <laughs> including the, uh, the fairgoers <laughs> yeah, the uh, the free parking for season ticket holders is part of their lease agreement long-term lease agreement with oh, the state so hey, but i think there is some kind of clause that in the agreement just based on me reading the contract figures because because there's actually a lawsuit between kentucky kingdom and the state over the parking that got resolved a few years ago but uh they i think they have the right to uh charge or whatever or use the season pass parking during the fair so i think that's why it's a little weird during the fair because of that clause in the contract yeah all right well uh you know i guess i'm i should go there more shay i didn't realize uh there was so much uh, room to space out and stuff so that sounds kind of good um marty i I had a sorry go ahead didn't mean to jump in i was gonna ask a follow-up question for marty um how many people does it take to staff kentucky kingdom and like how many are they still looking for that's a good question they wouldn't give me numbers they only thing they would say is that they're adequately staffed which when you say adequate it means we just have enough it doesn't make it sound like they have a surplus or anything he said they will be adequately staffed but one thing we didn't talk about was they actually increased the wage for seasonal workers by roughly a dollar an hour so it went from about eight to eight fifty to nine to nine fifty, and then the off guards are up to ten dollars an hour. So they're hoping that will incentivize because now you're a little bit above minimum wage, and these are you know summer jobs for young kids. So I mean, if you're working as lifeguard, you're making ten bucks. You're making pretty good money for sixteen year old or whatever. So uh, they're hoping that will incentivize. And I don't know if that's going to be locked into place, you know, from here on out, or if it's a temporary thing. But you know, they're hoping that will incentivize people to uh, to take on some more jobs because I think they want more people they're in a place where they'll be fine, but they want, they want more people. So, but I don't know exactly how many, I know they usually have, you know, 
I think usually put out a call for like a thousand workers or something, or maybe more um, seasonal workers mm-hmm. as they get close to opening. But they they wouldn't give me an exact number. But like I said, they did say adequately staffed, so they should have enough. Well, hopefully, I mean, with teenagers, you're not going to have people collect. You're not going to have teenagers collecting unemployment. I mean, they're mostly working these jobs as um, uh, just just some extra money in the summer, like you said. So hopefully that, you know, that group that they're going for is 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 a little younger than I think what restaurants are going for and, mm-hmm. and logistics yep. operations. So, yeah. Uh, I was going to say, I keep thinking <laughs> when we talk about teenage workforces, Shay made me watch, uh, didn't make me watch, but encouraged me <laughs> to watch Class Action Park. And now I can't get that out of my mind. About I've got to uh, <laughs> watch this. Yeah. HBO Max. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It is so, inter- it, it's horrifying and entertaining and <laughs> thrilling. And it was it's all the you, things. <laughs> if you don't know, it's about this water park that was, built in New Jersey that people went to in the eighties and nineties. And it's, there's like archival footage and um, of this. And the, the guy that owned it was like PT Barnum and <laughs> designing like this, this trip. year's tiger King, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really fun. And yeah. there's like fame there's, they talked to some, you know, famous, semi-famous people, comedians and stuff that went there as a kid and just the stories that they're telling. Yeah. Um, there's also like an Alpine slide where you ride on this little, wheeled cart and people just talk about the you know just getting like the skin burned off the side when they fall yeah the slide was made of like concrete and what what else I don't know but and then they would like ramp off the sides of it like it was designed for you to fall off Uh, oh my gosh all right I gotta watch this because you mentioned it the other day and I was like okay I'm gonna watch it and I totally forgot about it until it came back up this morning but uh I will yeah I will say Kentucky, this discussion, so. yeah. Kentucky Kingdom seems a lot more tame than uh, is a lot more tame than what yeah. is, this is described as. It's always friendly and clean. So. Yeah. Back in the eighties, go ahead. No OSHA violations, and you can smoke everywhere. Right. <laughs> yeah. And beer and Pizza Hut. That's all we needed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was about to say something similar. It was just the Wild West back then, I guess. So. Uh, lastly, kind of a fun topic here as if restaurants in Kentucky kingdom aren't fun. Uh, Evan Williams bourbon experience on main street has released a new brand and it's called square six. Uh, this is the first bottle to come out of the downtown micro distillery. Obviously Evan Williams, uh, has a big distillery and this one comes out of their, their small micro distillery, uh, on main. Uh, and the, the, the uh, you know a regular size bottle is uh, $89 per bottle uh which I'm kind of curious about but I don't know if I'm going to drop 90 bucks on uh on a bourbon I am curious about it though because they're making it there and it's like this specialty uh craft still it's not not made at the big Evan Williams plant so I just kind of want to know what it tastes like but uh I thought I'd ask around and see what you guys price point is uh for a bottle of bourbon uh, or your go-to price point, obviously, if you're getting a gift or something, it, it might be higher. But uh, Shay, I'll go to you on this one. I think you one time told me you hadn't been drinking uh, or you hadn't been buying as much bourbon since uh, since the pandemic began, right? Yeah, like move, I've like shifted to other things, like just more wine and stuff, but uh, for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Um, so and I've got like a good stash, so I haven't really went out and bought any. But like I, um, I'd be really interested to try it as well. Cause it's, I think they're doing one barrel a day. That's yeah. It. Yeah. That's, uh, and that's, is, for some reason that has mystique. I don't know. Uh, yeah, me too. So <laughs> maybe just, you know, I've been on that tour. I have been on that tour. I haven't been on it for years though. So maybe just go down and hopefully that's in the tasting at the end. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> um, 
uh, which is, it's a lot of fun there. If you've never, it's a lot of history, like not so, not, not as much as about bourbon as like old Forester or the whole process, but it's a lot of history about Louisville and the bourbon industry. But, um, man, I, I think, you know, my everyday, like I usually stay in that like 30, $35 range. So like, um, like bang for the buck, like wild Turkey 101 or old Forester 100, you know, like kind of that higher octane, but, um, an old, old granddad, I like a lot. Um, but I generally wouldn't, you know, don't go above 50 bucks. Um, like mm-hmm. you said, unless it's a gift, like if yeah. someone, if someone says, I want to get you a nice bottle of bourbon, you know, maybe go up a little bit more, but, um, yeah, kind of stay $30 seems to be a great value and taste. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Uh, and you mentioned some brands that are some, uh, yeah, some brands that, uh, that I kind of go for a lot. Just if I, if I'm buying quote unquote everyday bourbon, uh, you don't want to drink bourbon every day, but you know, well, I think this podcast has diluted into a bunch of drinking stories. <laughs> so we'll wrap it up. Uh, let's go around the room and share social media handles. Uh, Marty, where can people find you on social media? Yeah, I'm most active on Twitter at BF Marty, and you can also find me on LinkedIn under my name, Marty Finley. So, all right. How about you, Haley? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at BF Lou Haley, and I'm also on LinkedIn and all the other social media. All right. And Shay? Uh, yeah, mostly on Twitter at my name, Shay, at Shay Van Hoy, and also post um, a decent amount of her content on LinkedIn all on right. my page. You can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at dman3001. You can find this podcast on all the popular podcast services, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Radio Public. Uh, Just a quick note, I'm taking off next week. I'm going to be traveling, so we won't have a show next week, but we'll be back in two weeks. Um, And uh, that's it. Well, thank you very much, uh, Shay and Marty and Haley. And thank you guys for listening to us at home, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.